0: hello hey john hey how's it going Hey everyone, welcome to Smash and Grab Comics. This is the self-proclaimed King of Comics. I'm going to have to come up with a new moniker. That one's getting really stale. Uh, JP is not able to be with me today. He's actually um, with a family member who had surgery today, so we wish them all the speediest of recoveries. Um, I have on the line with me John Jesperson from JJ's Comic Art. John, how are you?
1: I am good. How are you? Good.
0: So, John, you are the probably the only one percenter that I know that doesn't ride a motorcycle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But...
0: Well, I was trying no, to think. No, I do not.
1: I was trying to think I do think not about... ride a motorcycle because my mom... Yeah, not let me. Do you know Because what? my dad was in a motorcycling accident? Of, of course, he's fine and everything. But when he was younger and so I am not allowed to be near one. There oh,
0: well, let me give you the reference. Right. Want you own one yeah. percent of this podcast. Yes. Well, a one percenter is someone who is in a biker gang that does illegal activities. <laughs> That's
1: uh, what it is. Huh?
0: Yeah, because well, the because the statistic is only one percent of biker clubs are um, criminals. Um, so they will actually wear patches that says 1% on their patch,
1: wow. um,
0: to signify that these guys ain't screwing around.
1: Well, uh, I am not going to comment on that because I want to make sure that I'm around for the next podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like I said, you're the only 1% percenter I know that, uh, <laughs> doesn't ride a, ride a bike. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, uh, guys, this is going to be a special episode of Smash and Grab Comics, not only because we have uh, John Jesperson on the phone, but we had a monumental issue of one of this podcast's favorite ongoing comics, which is, of course, The Walking Dead. Uh, Robert Kirkman um, hinted at it with issue 191, where Rick got shot by... Um, the governor's son Sebastian. Um, did you think he was going to die at that point, John?
1: Boy, I mean, uh, how many harrowing escapes have there been for Rick? I mean, you know, tons. Yeah, lots. I mean, look at Carl too. Yeah. Um, you know, realistically, Mm -hmm. Robert has said many, many times that I mean, anybody is fair game in this book, and so I think. A lot of people once they saw him get shot think okay he's been shot although we've seen him with a missing hand yep uh you know he looks like he's you know he, he's close to the six million dollar man at this point except
0: um, for remember about six months ago they forgot and they drew him with two hands
1: they uh, did yeah but I mean you know that, that you know as, as much as that and that's a testament to actually Charlie Adlard. Mm -hmm. um for how well he works and keeps that thing on a monthly schedule and i mean that i mean as someone that works with artists that is a really tough chore for anybody to do so kudos to him yeah but you know you know as far as um i think you know we were just talking about whether or not you know was it going to happen or not or you know i think people really thought yeah i mean there's a chance like look he's off the tv show even though the two are independent of each other right but you know i mean you take a shot like that i mean that isn't like boom, We see him get shot and we think he gets hit in the arm or something. I mean, that's that's square right in the chest. Right? Yeah. You know, it's they may have, like there's an E ER all around there.
0: They did make a point to show that it, it hit him in the chest and it wasn't just a, a flesh wound. It, it went right, right in, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it would have been highly, Well, I hate to say this cause it's comics, but it, it would have been really not believable had he survived. And obviously the spoiler alerts for everybody that's listening. I'm sure they know by now it's been news, but obviously Rick, um, passes away in the next issue in 192.
0: Yeah. Um, so I put then, a, I put a note out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that I would be talking about this and there would be spoilers. And if you haven't read it, um, read it before you turn this episode on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it starts off first panel, Sebastian sitting there with the smoking gun and, and Rick is going, what have you done? And then, yeah. uh, and then Rick, Uh, gets shot two more times. I think Sebastian just doesn't know what to do, and so he just keeps pulling the trigger.
1: Well, I mean, at that point, he's already committed the act, right? I mean, he just needs to keep going with it. And, I mean, it's, (laughs) I don't want to say it's overkill, but it's just, you know, to me, it's just some classic Robert Kirkman writing. I mean, it's just like, it's, That isn't good enough. That he's just been shot and the guy like runs away. It's like no, he's gonna put him down. I mean, like if you didn't think he was shot before, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't a Dallas episode with who shot Jr. I mean, you know, why
0: didn't? But what I don't understand is why didn't uh, Goofball just shoot him in the head to begin with? Because he left him shot with three shots to the chest,
1: right. Well, first off, uh, I I wonder how good of a marksman he is because I know that there is a really good marksman in the, um, in, in, uh, in, uh, Rick's family. So, um, obviously we see, uh, uh, we see Carl come along a little later.
0: Yeah. He was having a good day too, you know? Him and and Jesus were talking about pancakes and uh, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, he goes to go check if his dad's awake so he could go to pancakes with him. And right. when he walks in the room where Rick was shot, his instincts take over. I mean, he recognized immediately that it was yeah. a walker, and he took care of it, you know, a single shot to the uh, yeah. forehead.
1: And, and I think and... the eyes are what really sold it, right, more than anything? Yeah. I mean, Rick's eyes. I mean, they were they were so well drawn. Again, kudos to Charlie. Kudos to Robert for scripting that. Um, you know, and then obviously you've got the, you know, the shot, the end, you know, you mm-hmm. you don't want to say the cut scene or the, the, the walk away scene, but essentially like the gun laying there and Carl laying there. And then all you see are the boots. Like they don't move off Carl. Nope. And, uh, now all of a sudden that, you know, I don't, maybe people are talking about it. Maybe they aren't, but obviously the setup for me now is did Carl kill his dad, you know? Right. And right. that's going to be the setup, right? Because I mean, how are they going to tell? I mean, I would think they would be able to tell that he's been a zombie for a little bit or maybe maybe by the time they get around to it they're not able to I mean I don't know what the technology is for them being able to test these things, but you've literally got a smoking gun and you've got his son there, yep uh, with the gun right there, luckily
0: so, just a couple more pages, the governor admits it was her son um that actually shot him right, so um we didn't have Carl in too much trouble but that but mercer and his people came up, found carl and said uh hey get michonne she'll know what to do
1: right and and my work i guess what i wonder too is is i wonder if it will have ramifications for carl you know i mean mm-hmm. again this is a soap opera we're reading so oh yeah you know. i mean
0: carl shot his mom too uh that right. was a tv show was that comic too <sighs> i don't Boy, remember it's
1: been a while now for me to even think on
0: yeah i don't remember but in the tv show he did uh um, yeah
1: so the kid's been through it all man
0: yeah this you whole, know it's hard for me to watch or to look at him look at the drawings of carl because of the hole in his eye it just seems yeah. to go to nowhere
1: <laughs> you know yeah well i mean and he really you know he is uh he is his father's son you know at the end of the day and i mean i mean that in all all good respects i mean you know I mean, think about it. He took his dad out with one shot. I mean, that was what basically Carl grew up and he's been training him for these type of moments. Yeah. I mean,
0: he did exactly what he needed to do and didn't even think twice. Um,
1: Absolutely. Because he he
0: knew it was a zombie before he knew it was his dad. And so I don't think there's going to be any (laughs) question whether whether Carl killed his dad. No, he was already dead, you know.
1: Well, and I think you know, as we you know, obviously we're just rehashing an issue at this point, or talking about it, but mm-hmm. I think the biggest question here is now, you know, where do we go from here? Right. Well, that's the fun of it, folks. Where do we go from here? And I know there's a new Sheriff Kapoor, I believe, is is, uh, is being touted on one of the covers. They're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the whole point of this series is that. People, characters are going to be moving in and out and all over the place. Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, like you, you it's, it's what makes a book very interesting and keeps this book going is because just like zombie movies, we all know how they're going to start. We all know how they're going to end. Mm-hmm. But this isn't a zombie movie. This is like we've always said, The Walking Dead. You know, we've got people that are trying to live, survive, trying to move forward. There are going to be casualties. Um, the odds of survival are pretty slim for any person, mm-hmm. just, if you think about it. So the fact that Rick and Carl have even survived this long is pretty uh, pretty awesome to begin with. Yeah. But I think, you know, as I've said before, Robert said many times, I mean, you know, he knows where the story's going. He knows how it's going to end. He knows where it'll be. This was not a, um, just so people are aware this isn't a death of Superman or Batman uh, having his back broken. This isn't a publicity stunt. He isn't going to I use the Dallas reference earlier. You know, you're not going to have, or, or, uh, Bobby Ewing from Dallas here I am now really dating right. myself you're not gonna see the shower pulled back and it was all a dream
0: nope I um, mean this is I mean they made a point to show Rick getting shot Rick turning yeah, into dead. a zombie and Carl and Carl <laughs> shooting him in the head it it is plain as day that Rick is not coming back this is not a ploy this is not a no. them pretending he's dead to scare the no nope. uh the governor no it's it's All and done because now Sebastian's in jail um, and Carl goes there to taunt him, which, um, you know, I can understand Carl being um, really upset right now because not only was his dad killed by this guy, Carl was the one forced to have to put him down because this guy, in my opinion, this guy didn't know how to do it right
1: right well that's just where at the end of the day i mean that's just where i wonder what the future will hold for carl with this Mm -hmm. in some regards and that's kind of what i was alluding to earlier with you know he's there he shot his dad you know i mean you got to think about it i mean it's pretty archaic trial systems and all and jailing systems and all of this stuff going on right now so yeah i mean it's very i don't know i think it'll be interesting to see where they go with a lot of this and um uh again kudos i mean that's that's rick grimes boom done yeah yeah
0: that, that took a lot of people um by you know shocked a lot of people um rick grimes to a lot of people was the walking dead and Correct. i think it's really great that robert kirkman's willing to say mm, no even rick is expendable walking dead is is about the relationships it's about everybody it's a it's a ensemble book and now somebody else can take take the stage for a little while i kind of hope it's michonne really besides carl
1: right and i well i think that that's what people loved about the book and you know i've i've worked many uh, a show with skybound and the walking dead at conventions and Mm -hmm. I've, i've met robert and and just one of the one of the nicest creators one of the nicest people out there yeah um for all of his successes he's just a, a great human being honestly. okay does he and, and
0: does he have? Yeah. does he have ghost writers for his book i mean he he cannot no. possibly get all this done a month
1: yeah no he does i mean i obviously i don't know the inner workings on that but there's yeah. no way that i would ever believe that i mean i've met the man i've, I've worked around him mm-hmm. um he he's a hard worker he's really good to the fans if anyone ever gets a chance to meet him he's just absolutely extraordinary to all the people that meet him right um he really makes his yeah he really really tries to spend as much time as he can um I know there's been certain times where he's had to go to a convention and you know san diego and he's got to go to a panel or it's it's new york or it's something and i'll offer to walk him somewhere and he's like no i'm fine i'm fine and he'll walk and you know immediately people recognize him and immediately people want to talk with him yeah and he always makes time to talk to people always makes time to um interact with people i think that's part of the reason why he's so successful also because he's never shied away from you know, actually communicating with fans. I mean, look at the letter column. Um, and if you've ever seen him at a show, um, he always takes the time to to say hi to people. He recognizes people. He remembers people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's got a lot going on with these books. Um, but we also have to remember Invincible, which I know has a ton of media things going on with that now that we're all just kind of waiting for. Waiting. I know. For, yep. For. Well, but that, that he took reason... a lot of risks in that book too.
0: I wrote, or I read Invincible in trade paperback form, but I bought the last issue. Um, so as soon as I actually finish the last trade of Invincible, then I'll I'll read the last issue because uh, I haven't touched it since I bought it.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people that just think Robert Kirkman The Walking Dead. And realistically, I mean, he's got so many different things going on.
0: I'm looking at my Battle Pope pope right now. And for our listeners that don't know Battle Pope, it's right there in the name,
1: you know? (laughs) Well, a quick story on that. I'll make this a quick one. But that is how, obviously, a lot of people know me with Doug Mankey. Yes. Um, And that is how he met Robert and Tony. Okay. Um, back in the day, he stopped by their booth and um, picked up some battle pope from them and really supported them and would always come and see them. That's Um, and that was Funko Tron was, you know, the publisher of that. And um, Doug took a real liking to both uh, Robert and Tony. And I know that um, the three of them are all still friends, acquaintances to this day. Yeah. Um, But that's when, you know, both Tony and Robert were pretty young. Um, and, and, saw something in them and, and, um, I know that there, it's a mutual admiration between all of them, which is really cool at the end of the day. Cause a lot of times you don't see established creators go out of their way to find other work, other talent, new people coming up. Mm-hmm. things like that and so yeah the battle pope stuff was the first stuff out there right and yes, so i believe um, so
0: I, i'm not a robert kirkman um completed well that was but
1: yeah it, but that was the first real delve into you know everything was was battle pope i mean that's where they got a lot of their their obviously it sold well um yeah we got to remember with the time it came out and comics weren't a major major thing um like they like they were in the early 90s or anything like that yep um it was just something that um you know It was being pushed out there. People really liked it. Um, It was an indie-type book, obviously. A book like Battle Pope Mm -hmm. um, is going to be. And then you know from there i think it showed and proved that um it, you know these guys can really work
0: yeah then they went into and then obviously to...
1: anybody can research walking dead and figure out how that got on board and everything was just kind of history from there but well he did you know, the, asto-
0: the he did the astounding wolfman with jason howard which correct. um that must have been pre walking dead as well
1: um no i think i think that was uh roughly around the same time i mean you know robert scott for the list of titles and different things that he's got, obviously there's been Thief of Thieves. uh, There's been Invincible. There's been the Astounding Wolfman. There's been Super Dinosaur, which is another great read, which I, you know, I could see as an animated show. I loved loved it. I have. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of different things going on. Currently uh,
0: he's doing, um, outer dark, right? No, it's Jeff Lemire. Um, and, um, he's doing, um, the die, die, die. He's doing oblivion song.
1: Right, and remember, Die, Die, Die came out as, like, nobody knew it was coming out. Yeah. They just published it and put it out, and all of a sudden, retailers are like, what's this? I mean, so, I I think that they're, Skybound is a publisher to me that, uh, you know, having volunteered would be the best way that I can put it, Mm -hmm. um, for them and, and going to shows. They've got a really good amount of people that are working there, like, good people, like, people that are really smart at this business, but not too smart like they're not too smart for their own good. They're the type of people that want to do the right thing for people. Yeah. They're trying to make comics fun. They're trying to make cool items, toys, comics, things that are interesting. And so I think they really vibe off of what Robert likes and what he wants to do and then they go ahead and they get to do their thing. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that there's a reason why when you go to a, some of these major conventions and Skybound is there, um, that you want to stop by and you want to see what they have that's new because you know, um, I have a friend that works there, Sean Kirkham,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, who's a business manager over there. Um, you know, he, to me, one of the smartest guys in this industry does a wonderful job at really paying attention to what is current, what's popular, what pe- 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 people want, you know, when it comes to Funko Pops, for example. Right, right, right. pens, for example, when it comes to action figures, when it comes to all these different things um again i don't know all the inner workings but i do know that obviously he must have a say in a lot of that and uh my kudos to him i think he does a wonderful job at his job and uh you know um i think uh i think skybound has has a very bright future so i do too that's 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 enough walking dead talk for me i'll go on for hours. so um
0: you mentioned doug Mankey a little bit ago um you and doug just got done with a tour is that correct
1: yeah, yeah. We uh, we just got done with the tour. We were in uh, Dallas uh, for Fan Expo Dallas, uh-huh. and then we were in, about a week later, I think, we were in Orlando, Florida. Um,
0: oh, and rough I flew life. for the
1: first time in years, which I, I hate flying. I, <laughs> I took a little too much Dramamine.
0: Like, what? when you take too much Dramamine, what happens? I mean, I get loopy. Oh, uh,
1: I mean, have the best like... way to put it is like... Doug was keeping an eye on me and things were going well, but I mean, I decided, Hey, I'm going to watch the movie glass. You know, this, this M night Shyamalan. So good.
0: I I really liked that movie and I don't care.
1: Well, I think I liked it, but um, (laughs) I took about double the dosage of Dramamine and I was in and out of the movie. Yeah. yet i did not watch the movie but i do know everything that happened in it is i that, don't know how that is creepy how that
0: happens when i had the flu i had influenza a once and that is exactly what happened i i watched movies that i don't remember but i happen to know everything that yeah, happened it happened. must
1: them. just be like subconsciously right <coughs> yeah following through and, and i remember i think i tried watching another movie on the way back too i can't even remember what that one was um But maybe it was Vice. It was something like that, you know, where I was just like, oh, I just – it was just – look." at the end of the day, there was a movie in front of me. I just was like, oh, cool. I can push buttons. That
0: happened to me (laughs) a year ago. I had pancreatitis, and I was in the hospital. And um, and in post-surgery, I was um, groggy as heck, but Spider-Man Homecoming was on. And to this day, now a year later, I just feel like – that movie has a soft spot for me because that's what I watched while recovering, you know?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but geez, I mean, just talking about like that, think about it, you know, like the comics, the, the, um, the movies that there's always something that, you know, a song. Yeah. We always kind of put it to a time in our mm-hmm. life or something like that. So, but you no, know, we made it to Dallas. We made it to, um, uh, we made it to Orlando. Doug and I looked out of our room. We saw this massive pool down below and we're like, we're going to get there. We're nice. going to get to that pool. And, and we never did. Of course. Um, got too busy. We did get too busy. Um, it was an extremely busy show. It was a great time. Um, I'm trying to think of anything really cool that happened over the course of that weekend. Um, I got to meet a lot of new artists. I got to meet a lot of artists from Europe that I hadn't had a chance to meet. Um, uh, got to see a lot of friends. My dad is down in Florida, so he was able to stop by and visit too. So he was kind of holding court um, <laughs> when yeah. I was working with my friends. That's funny. Um, but we we had a good time. We we uh, got some new deals coming up, and um, uh, I think we're going to have one more show this fall. Yeah, and, um, and that's probably we,
0: like you were telling me earlier. It's probably going to be New York. Is that correct?
1: There's a chance it'll be New York. Um, we're just kind of waiting for all the the final. I guess, decision-making to happen. Um, Is that, is
0: that like, um, is it expensive to get a booth or is he invited? Is Doug invited to these places or what's it like?
1: Um, so there's different levels of how that would work. Doug, um, with where he is, you know, as far as the industry and the book he works on. And, you know, uh-huh. I mean, next show will be his 25th anniversary. I think we've talked about that on a previous podcast at D.C. Yeah. Um, he would be an invited guest, so he would be one of their featured guests. Okay. So in a particular situation like that, then it's just behind the scenes of how does travel work, how does hotel work, how does booth work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times in those particular situations, they accommodate you. Um, we're also working with Midtown um and so we're going to be doing some things with them also there that we've got another cover for a art book that is supposed to debut at new york comic-con too so it's trying to put i'm trying to kind of put everything together behind the scenes, yeah um and try to get that all done so we shall see what happens there but um yeah i i i'm very much looking forward to it and i know that um I think I can say this without any hesitation for sure. anybody that's listening, but I know that there was some good discussion about DC and, and what to possibly do with his 25th anniversary. Oh, that's awesome. Um, next year. It's, so, yeah, look, it, looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, that's going to
1: be a fun party for him, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're supposed to get together, I think we don't know next month or so we're going to yeah. get together and work on some drawings. And I mean, I always say we, like I'm actually doing anything. I'm just there, you know, to, you just hanging dance out around or change a channel or, you yeah. know,
0: yeah, no, um, it's two. you know, like you've talked before, he's one of your best friends. It's, it's two guys just chilling. He might be working on stuff and you're just, getting some stuff well yeah i'm
1: kind of like okay that's good that's good you're good you know you're done no but uh yeah (laughs) he just keeps going but um i think we're gonna um be doing some sketch cards this year now Uh um some doug mankey branded sketch cards so that'll be kind of fun but yeah um once we know what we're gonna do we'll obviously let you and and listeners know too and if he's gonna be in town again we'll let you know also that
0: that was so fun um just he was so gracious with his time and his stories and um just willing to sign every last scrap of paper, uh, do a drawing for every last person in that store that wanted one. And then yeah. sat and chatted with all of us for a good couple hours.
1: Yeah. Um, and he's good like that. He, he, um, I mean, I can't continue to say it enough, but he, right. you know, he is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And, um, kind of an update for those that don't follow him. He is at the Doug Mankey on Instagram. Yep. Check him out. He is going to the, um, the National uh, Masters Championship up in uh, Montreal. Yep. And he's the number one seed. And uh, so not only is he, you know, <laughs> just an extraordinary artist. Yeah. Uh, and obviously at the top of his game, but then also he's, you know, for uh, lifting uh, he'll right. be up there too. So, so I mean, the... you know, I was too wrong... much talent.
0: On on uh, TV, they're airing the um, Arnold um Event that Doug went to a few months ago, and then I asked you what Doug's event was. I texted you. I don't. I don't think uh, I heard back. But
1: like- so he, he, yeah, he does the um, uh, this the, the the clean and jerk and the snatch and all of that. So yep. it's the the weights on the ground where you have to, you know, you you literally have to squat down, lift them up, get yep. them up to your chest, put them up over your head, and you obviously at that moment are like putting your legs like a scissors so that they're straight, and then you've got that that weight there. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my, um, you know, my wife and I were watching the other night because uh, it was on. We were watching the strongman
2: competition mm-hmm.
1: with Thor. And, yes. Um, we were watching all that because, we you know, we, we sat behind the scenes with him. Yeah. And my we wife were... wasn't quite aware of who he was. And I'm like, yeah, well, here you go. So we were just kind of watching. Okay, him.
0: we were watching in the mountain walks past and I'm like, okay, so, you know, my friend John that we were talking about and Peggy's like, yeah, I'm like, he was walking with uh, Doug Mankey and that guy comes past and he just clears the path for them all, you know,
1: he truly does. And, and very nice gentleman, very nice family. But, um, yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, there's a reason he's in game of Thrones and, mm-hmm. and he's the mountain. He he really is. So it's, it's pretty extraordinary, but to see that, um, on TV and to see how many people came through and to see all the people watching and, yeah. you know, I never even made it onto the convention for, um, i didn't i i truly didn't when i was there i was i was working on other things so um to see it all from the tv angle was really cool and yeah. so you know kudos to all those guys and kudos to doug like i said i mean you know i i, I don't know how it happened but to be you know that gifted at two different things I'm, i i sometimes i'm just wondering like should i introduce him to a new hobby because I wonder how quickly he would master that. Yeah, he'd be like, let's make model Maybe airplanes. Maybe he can make ships in a bottle or something. Right. Know, like he'd just
0: be amazing at it and he'd come to his house and he's bottles everywhere.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. But yeah, so yeah, that's that's kind of where that's at and uh so But what, what, I have to information say, really? you guys know.
0: Yeah, about Doug himself just as a person, people um our listeners should know he is just a great guy, you know. Um, I love talking martial arts with him. We talked forever. And I think um, that our listeners like hearing those human stories more than the, how do you like drawing Batman? Is he he your favorite character? You know, Um, granted, those are fun things to know, but that's not really what I want to know. When I talk to people, I want to know the person.
1: Right. And I think the best story that I had from all of those shows that we were at was A little girl came up and Storm was her favorite character and we were busy because we had some VIP sketching in a line and he told her that if she came back tomorrow, he would draw a storm for her. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's, you know, we've all seen this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you show up again. Yep. So dad brings her by the next day and has like an X-Men blank or something. He's like, Oh, we got to do that. He didn't, he knew exactly who she was. He goes, Oh, we got to do that storm for you. And so he just sat there and held court with her and he was asking her like what she likes to draw, and you know was, I bet that pet.
0: I bet that dad was going you know there's fifty fifty chance here he may just blow her off or he may come through and I bet no that... I
1: think people really believe Doug when Doug says yeah bring her back tomorrow and I will right but I'm I'm sure there are people that think yeah this isn't going to happen but he drew a storm for. her. Um, she's very intrigued by the way that he drew Uh Storm, and she was very intrigued by his needable eraser. She had never seen one before. And so he he handed it to her and she messed around with it for a while. And then the coolest scene, I truly mean this was, I wish I would have had a picture of it because she was just this little gal who maybe her chest came to like the top of the table. Yeah. She's up leaning over the table. She has a needable eraser out and she's erasing his pencil lines. Nice. Trying, trying it out. Yeah. Yeah, she was using it, and he's leaning over, showing her that she's doing it. She's erasing all those extra lines and stuff and showing how it works. So, again, coolest scene. I wish it would have had a picture of me mentally. I do, but that, to me, at the end of the day, again, I mean, I know people are waiting for me to say something bad. I I can't. I won't. There really is nothing I can say. He is truly as awesome as that, and he made sure that, you know, he personalized it to her and, told her you know he hopes to see some of her work in the future and, and to continue on with drawing and you know but that's just the type of guy he is i mean we got to remember he has a lot of kids he's got a lot of girls at the house too yeah. um and so i just think for him those are those moments that he really enjoys more than anything and and in fact he asked me can we do more of the vip events which is where we do like a 30 30 30 minute one-on-one excuse me yeah where someone gets the time and he gets to learn who they are and they get to learn more about him and then he's drawing for them and they're just having a nice conversation. And, you know, he said that that was his, also his favorite part. Um, And that's not blowing smoke. That truly was it like I asked him, do we want to do anything like that for New York or any other shows that we may possibly do? Yeah. If it's not New York. um, And he was like, yeah absolutely let's you know let's do them and we can only do so many of them but i mean the people walk away loving it he loves it yeah they come back the next day and then you feel like you know you've made a really strong acquaintance and all of a sudden you're trading twitter and you're trading you know exactly trading all these things and a lot of these dudes like i still talk to now from Mm -hmm. orlando and dallas um and they actually you know they try to see hey how are you doing do you need anything hey i've got this opportunity do you need this and it's just that community feeling, you know, of just people enjoying themselves. So um, that was well worth it. Came back exhausted, um, to be honest. And, yeah. And uh, I'm glad there's about a four or five-month break before the next thing. So yeah, that's always the nice part. Now I'm just trying to clean up all the comics around here.
0: I know. I uh, So speaking of cleaning up the comics, um, I wanted to pick your brain about comic book collecting for investment, right? For – You know, I've collected comics my whole life for the sake of I want that comic book because I love to read. I love artwork. Um, But I'm getting to that point now where having a little bit more money than I had when I was in my 20s, I'm starting to want to buy those key issues. And we're at a perfect week right now with Walking Dead 192 being where Rick dies. Um, So what would you say to fans that hope that this will be what will be a key issue, but they're hoping it's going to be a really expensive one um what do you say to people that buy lots of copies and hope for the best or
1: well um I, I listened to your podcast the other day with jp where you were asking questions about some of that so if yeah. anyone hasn't heard that that's kind of almost like the part one and there were points where i was like "Oh, i wish i was a part of that conversation yeah so this is what i would say to that okay um you know, When it comes to $192, 1st and foremost, if you're in the Sioux Falls area, you can still go down to Rainbow Collectibles. You can still pick up those copies on the shelf. They ordered very strongly on them. They're big supporters of The Walking Dead, yeah. so you still have a chance to pick some of those up as of the last day I was in, which I think was Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as investment purposes and stuff, JP said it perfectly the other day. I will agree 100%. If you are in it for a short win, like short turnaround, I'm going to make my money now and get out. Yep you're probably not going to make much when you look at your time. Yeah. If you're not really doing anything and you've got a lot of extra time and you don't have kids and you don't, yeah, I mean, there's always that, that reason for doing it and putting the effort into it. Right now, that's probably a seven, eight, nine dollar book on eBay. Okay, I, which is a lot more than the four dollar cover. I mean, I, I
0: saw one for cover. twelve, but I don't know if they sold it for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's prices all over the place, but you probably still can go on and do that. I always say first go to your LCS try to buy it locally if you can. Oh, for sure. Um, but but as far as let's say you're that guy that's selling for nine dollars on eBay, mm-hmm. you know, this is a perfect you know economics course in comics. Okay, exactly. It's a quick hot book. Yep. Okay, I've got. I bought five extra. I bought ten extra. Okay, well, you spent forty dollars plus tax. You bought all these, so you're forty some dollars into it. Now you're going to turn around and you're going to hope to compete with the rest of the market in selling these. Yeah. And if you're going to sell them for eight or nine dollars, realize that you're going to lose at least ten percent to to PayPal or excuse me to eBay. Yeah. You're going to lose another three to four percent to PayPal. Um, You've got a listing fee. Okay. You've got to now ship it. Which means someone, if you do free shipping, which some of these guys do, and I don't know how, I do know how they're shipping it media mail, which is, is illegal, by the way, with comics. You can't ship media mail.
0: And um, why, why is that? I mean, for our listeners that don't know, why is that illegal um, to ship comics well, by media a, mail?
1: The, there's people that will argue about it, but you're not supposed to be able to because of advertising. So right. that's what media mail um, is. You know, we think of media, but you cannot sell, you cannot send comics that have advertisements in them media mail. So a lot of people do that um and so a lot of people will try to get away with even shipping things first class okay um and really you have to be under a certain weight that doesn't add a lot of protection to comics i ship everything the way i ship it is priority um and people do pay a little bit more for that but i also don't get any returns and i get a lot of positive reviews so yeah you know the whole point of it is is if you're going to pay the money a couple extra bucks to make sure it gets there safe and sound and secure is worth it Mm -hmm. but getting back to to the economics of it Yeah. I guess when you look at it, you might make a buck or two profit at the end of the day, you know, and you have to think what your time is worth too. I mean, remember, you've got to cut cardboard, you've got to use packing tape, you've got to print off the labels, Uh, you know, you have to factor in everything you're doing with this at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, your piece of paper doesn't cost a lot to print, but you've also got to print it off on your computer, right? You've got to take your time. You're using electricity. I mean. Everything costs something at the end of the day. And while those are very minuscule numbers mm-hmm. at the end of the day, your time is worth money. Everything. So if you were to sell all of those, let's say you just had a great run, you were selling them for eight or nine dollars a piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, wow, I'm making after tax and everything, I'm making four and a half dollars and now I'm losing twenty percent. Now I'm making three sixty
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I did that, I made thirty six dollars.
0: Yeah. Was it worth okay. thirty six bucks?
1: Was it worth thirty six bucks? Now, some people may say, "Well, yeah, I mean, it was." Or, "Hey, I need to be in on it." I mean, yep. This is a huge, a huge thing behind the scenes and a huge thing, I guess, in front too, mm-hmm. right? Is like, should people be investing in comics, and what should they be investing in? Well, first and foremost, like what you buy and buy what you like is one of the top priorities.
0: Uh, um, you think so? Even even if somebody delusional as they may be, uh, get into comic books for making money? You would still say the same thing? Um, because, you know, I've bought a few books knowing full well I don't really like that comic book, but know it's going to be a big big deal, a little bit down the line, maybe because of a movie thing coming on or a TV show. Sure. Um, and so now I've got this pile of comic books that I've never even read that I'm just waiting for them to get, you know, popular.
1: Right, right. And here's what I would tell you: you know, a lot of times, you know, the speculation market is exactly what it is. It's like a penny stock market for a lot of people, but for a lot of people's cases, it isn't. I mean, the average comic is three dollars to four dollars a piece. So, if you're going to start just buying regular issues and you're going to start trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to make money off of that? How many? You got to remember, this is right now this market compared to where it was a year or two ago,
2: yeah,
1: is it is literally like shiny object, shiny object, shiny object. Everyone is just immediately like looking. They're already into next week. Yes. By the time you have it listed, by the time you're ready to go, I mean, there's websites that have hot tens and hot specs and hot. But by the time it's a hot spec and a hot everything, by the time you're listing it, a lot of times there maybe isn't the opportunity to make the money right there. You've also got shops that are now a little bit more keen to the game. So they're able to go through their back issues. They're able to read the spec sites. They're able to, to, to watch the market, pick stuff out of the back issues, you know, put the prices on them that they feel is comfortable to sell them for you know, or that, they're they're using eBay.
0: That could be a full time job now for um, one person at a local comic shop to have sure. to have to do that, keep an eye on the market and then right. go through their
1: pack catalog and, well, and right, remark right. everything. Right. And, and, and then there's variant covers too. So you've yeah. got to look at all the variant covers that come out with the, the ratio of variants, how much they are. And we always have to remember like if, if a store has a one in 50 variant or something and they want a hundred dollars for it, we have to realize they had to buy 50 of that comic in order to get that one in 50. And yes. they may not have wanted to order 50 copies of that book, but yeah. they knew that that would be a good book. At the end of the day, I do know people that order 500, a thousand of a of a book just to get the one in 500, just to get the one in 200, to get all the different ratio variants. Sure. And then they hope to make their money off of that. And then meanwhile, they're left with, for example, black cat. Then they're left with just a bunch of black cats at the end of the day. I so know. it's really what do you want to be left with at the end of the day? And so. There's a lot of triggers within the, the, the ratio uh, variance, the ratio incentives, all of those different things that how, how do things a little different. How
0: does a collector find out what the ratio number is for a certain cover?
1: Where would they go eBay to is find always that? really good. I, I always say eBay is really good. Okay. Um, you know, if you're not on a certain site not you know paying attention to things if you were to look up black cat number 1 for example that just came out there's an art germ stanley lau yeah. um and there's a, a J. scott campbell those were the regular covers okay there's also a virgin cover when we say virgin we mean that there's no title or anything you just basically have just the full art on the cover mm-hmm. so you know the, the for example you may go on ebay and type in black cat art germ and you may see one that says 1 in 200 okay <clears throat> Yeah. So that would be for every 200 copies that that retailer purchased, like Rainbow, for example, they would get one copy of that book. Yes. So there are there are books out there that are one in a thousand, and that doesn't mean like you randomly get one in a thousand. No, it's a ratio, which means if you order a thousand copies at your store, you're going to get one. If They'll you give. order a thousand and one, yep. you're going to get one. That's it. If you order two thousand, you're good. You're going to get two. Now, there are 1 in 10 variants, there are 1 in 25 variants, there are 1 in 50 variants, there are 1 in 100 variants, there can be all kinds of those, and you just have to do the math and say, okay, if I order 500, I'm going to obviously get 10, 1 in 50s. Yeah. If I
2: order
1: 500, I'm going to get, you know, uh, the 1 in 10s, you know, times X, it you, you just continues. If there's 1 in 100 and you order 500, you get 5 of those, so it's all kind of breaking it down and then hoping that you're going to make money off of that. Now, what I would tell the normal person that is buying comics for a living and is sitting around and being, well, I'm going to invest and buy 500 of these. Yeah. What I would personally say is, look, how are you going to move all the bulk of that?
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Like that's where, you know, where I work and, and for my personal way of doing things, I do things differently than say a rainbow. You know, people ask me, do you have a business front? No, I mean, My business is selling on the Internet. Yeah. I could not move 500 black cat comics. No. Rainbow has that opportunity because they are a local comic shop.
0: They have a storefront. uh,
1: Also known as an LCS. They have people coming in day after day after day after day looking and buying books. Yeah. And that is how that works for them. And that's what it's built for. But we have people that are also coming in, investing in it or they're putting their money into it, hoping that they're going to make money off of those ratio variants, and then they're left with a bunch of black cats at the yeah. end of the day. When I, and so then what do you do with, with all the black cats that are left over? <laughs> you know, you have to under, kind of understand. Now you've got a bunch of $4 comics, and you might have 500 of them. Well, I hope you're setting up a show, or I hope you have a way to distribute those. Otherwise, you're going to be selling them on eBay. Yeah. So when you ask, how does a person invest, or how does a person do something with that, There's no surefire method that works Yeah. other than I would say, like, you may have started on The Walking Dead back in the day, and that was the book you bought, or you may have bought this series, and you really liked it, and all of a sudden, boom, it just explodes. Yeah. The price goes up, right? And you're like, oh, do I keep it? Do I not?
0: Right. That's happened to me many times.
1: Yeah. Well, the latest has been Deadly Class. Yep. Um, so I was selling rated copies of that for you know hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars while the show was on air. And boom, they just announced they're canceling it, right? Yeah, and I just saw people had uh, cGc nine eight copies that were selling for sixty dollars. So you're down. looking at a book dropping and plummeting that fast. So you know my thought is on a lot of this is if you're really into it and you're buying your weekly books, yeah. first off, a good a good thought process is which books are you actually reading on a weekly basis? Mm-hmm. If you ask me which books I read on a weekly basis, uh, it's pretty thin. I don't really have a ton of time to do that. Yeah, But I'm still in there every Wednesday picking up books because someday I'll have to read some of these. You know, A lot of times I'm picking up trades and such. But when it comes to buying stuff, if you are the average person that is on a budget and you want to start investing in comics from that perspective,
2: uh-huh.
1: the thing that I would say is take a look at what you've got. Take a look at your – pile that you read take a look at the pile you're not reading you know if it's time to stop reading that title then stop reading that title and save four bucks a month or you know save another four save another four you may have an extra fifty to a hundred dollars every month that you're saving on comics Mm -hmm. now you can look at maybe possibly reinvesting that into something else so you know those those uh those those key books or key books for you may not be that impossible to acquire and then if you're crafty enough to buy something when you think it's going to go up in value or you happen to have it or because those moments do happen right if you're able to sell some of that then you can take those profits and then turn them around into something else and so um, i think that that's kind of it but you know every week if you're dropping 100 bucks 120 bucks and look there's guys locally that do it i know it you know and 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 you know they're buying their books they're buying their books they're buying their books they're hoping they're going to have something that pops yeah look i got to tell you I've got boxes full of stuff that, you know, I better hope something gets optioned (laughs) because that's, you know, realistically, that's kind of the way it is. And so I'm very cautious about what I am going to put uh, my money into at the end of the day. Um, So, you know, at the end of the day, for me, um, I kind of refocus probably every day, um, realistically, on what I think I need to be putting my money into, what I shouldn't be putting it into. And, and I kind of just go from there. So oh. I would never, I guess, and I, I know what I'm going on with this, Tyler, but what I would tell people like yourself, for example, who have a good comic collection, who have built your comic collection up, yep. is, you know, take a look at it. Sometimes it's a, a point where you say, you know what, I've got, you know, I've got the entire Superman Rebirth series here. I've read it. I don't really want it. I'm going to put it up on eBay. I'm going to sell it for $50 or something. Okay, yep. well, you haven't made money on it, but at the end of the day, you you know, it's now either just dead money sitting in your collection, or now you're going to take that $50 and you're going to reinvest it into something else.
2: Yeah. So That's there's
1: usually ways how of doing. Yeah. 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 There's ways of doing these different things all the time. And so I think, you know, one of the, one of the key things is just manage what you're buying. Be, be cautious of what you're buying. Um, and I <clears throat> have it happen all the time. I mean, look, I make as many mistakes as anybody else does. Mm hmm. I buy as many books that I should, probably shouldn't have bought. Yeah. But I'll tell you, every time I buy a key book, I never go, boy, that was a dumb idea. No. Boy, that was a bad idea. You yeah. know? It, it's, it's so. But we also buy the books we buy because we like going into the comic shop every week. And we like being a part of that community of buying those comics and reading oh. those. And that's what it's for, essentially, right? I mean, for not me. everyone does this for a living.
0: For me, going into the comic shop on Wednesday is, you know, the proverbial barber shop, or, you know, um, or even the water cooler at work. You know, you just want to meet up with people. It's like going,
1: it's like Cheers, right?
0: Yeah, where everybody knows your name. Um, And I like that, um, actually, probably more so than what I'm buying. Now I'm just going there to see my friends. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, um, so I've just recently started looking through collections, you know, I recently had a friend that, um, showed, showed us his collection and, right. and I was really trying hard to find the good, um, the gems of the collection. And yeah. it kind of sounds like after you looked at it, that, that I had pulled out the main ones anyway. Uh,
1: right. I mean, I mean, look, you know, it's not hard to figure out what the keys to a collection are. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, if you're into it, I mean, you know, I mean, think of every Marvel character that you like or that you are and type in eBay first appearance, right? Yep. It's a great tool for learning stuff. eBay, a lot of people, like, you know, they get scared or they get nervous or they get worried about looking things up. I mean, it doesn't hurt you. I mean, you can always just type something in, like, you know, first appearance (laughs) of... You know, Darkhawk. (laughs) Yeah. And see what comes up if that was a character you liked. First appearance of Morbius. First appearance of, you know, um, Jesus from The Walking Dead. You know, if you're unsure of what it is, I mean, do a little. Wikipedia might be okay, but I always think eBay at the end of the day is really good. CGC labels are really good. Uh, Batman Who Laughs, who's really popular right now. Yeah. A lot of people may not know Teen Titans number 12 is his first appearance. So that's a big book. Wait, of the Um, Batman Who Laughs? Yeah.
0: No, I thought it was in Dark Knight's Metal.
1: Nope, it's Teen Titans 12 as his first appearance. So, I mean, that is what the market has has decided is the first appearance. Okay. So that Teen Titans 12 book, if anyone was listening and decided to type in Teen Titans 12 CGC 9.8, that book's probably going to populate up. It's probably going to be a $200 book or more, Um, and... That's obviously a big book for what the initial investment was, but nobody would have ever assumed that Teen Titans twelve was gonna be the book to buy. No. Um so you know, again, there you go. I mean, how do you know? How does anyone know that Naomi from from Bendis right now would be the big hot popular book?
0: Oh, I know. I had um, you know, that was a book that was way under the radar for me. I didn't ever give it a second glance until Darcy, our friend Darcy, started talking about yeah. it. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I should be paying attention to this, shouldn't I?
1: Right. And, you know, I mean, you have to look at things, too, and say, can I live with buying this? Do I feel comfortable with this? Do I want to put this in my collection if I have to sit on it? for, I mean, there's stuff I sit on for years. Do you? Legitimately sit on for years. Yeah, all all the time. I mean, I'm going through boxes. How long? Okay.
0: uh, I know that, you know, you do a few different things. You're a man of many uh, talents, you invest in Jack comics. of all
1: trades, master of none. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're a comic investor and you know, you're, um, a manager of sorts for Doug Menke. Um, so how long have you been making your money from comic books and not necessarily, not necessarily working in a comic shop to do it?
1: Um, geez, that's a good one probably the first time I ever sold my comic collection off, you
0: know, you sold, I
1: mean, that's when I was younger and I sold it and I built it back up and then I sold it and then I started, you know, like I always tell people, look at the end of the day, you have to have some disposable income money in order to do something like this. And, you know, you have to be able to say, okay, you know, like I always tell people if they want to do this full time or part time, or they want to do it as something like, look, you have to have product. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, um, the, the, the comic book store in Aberdeen, South Dakota was the book nook and Tom Hayes was the one who owned it and ran it. And he taught me a lot about business as a young kid and yeah. I was in every day with my friends and all that. But you know, I never forget the one thing that he always told me is, you know, you, you got to spend money to make money. Yeah. Um. I mean, you got to have money to make money. Yeah. And the whole point of that is, is like you can be buying comics you can be doing all of this stuff. You can be throwing it in there, but don't ever worry about trying to like catch up with everyone else like you know well oh, I want to get to their level or this person's level or that just get to your own level you know as yeah to where you comparing want to be and what you want to have
0: compare um, comparing what you can purchase like myself versus versus somebody who's more established um, or just in a different economic bracket you know and um, so for me like you just said um you sold off your entire collection was that hard for you like emotionally were you tied to any of your comics
1: well i you know i had a really good x-men collection and you know i sold it Sold, you know crisis on infinite earth stuff like that you know mm-hmm. and then i Back into comics and tell them again. You know, now I'm a teenager. You know, now I'm in high school. I really don't. You know, I don't care about that. I mean, I'm doing right. high school stuff at that point. Yep. Then I get into college. I'm kind of getting back into it a little bit for fun, and then I'm getting full blown into it because now I have a, a, a career. And I think that's when a lot of people end up. That's exactly okay, well. That's now a... I've got some money, right? I've yep. got a little bit of money I can buy, similar to what you're talking about. Yep. And then you get to a point where you accumulate things, you accumulate comics. And to be realistic, like, I've always been doing this. Like, as long as I can remember, I've always been buying comics and reselling them. So let's say since I've, you know, since, I don't know, my early 20s, we'll say, for example, even though it was before then, I was selling cards and selling Yep. I was always hustling, I guess, at the end of the day, so I was always trying to do something and make something work, but at the end of the day, um, you know, comics are what always stuck, it was something that I was good about, I knew a lot about them, I I could retain information really good with comics for some reason, I I just knew what was what, and I I was good with grading, and good with, you know, I, I had some pretty good... You know, a lot of it's luck, but speculation-wise, back in the day, it's it's been going on forever, and this isn't a new thing. No. I did really well at that time. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I was able to keep my day job, do this as a part-time hobby, and then it just became something where – so the part-time hobby was making more money than, you know, working in the school district. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, like I've said before, I think on a previous product podcast was, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, Oh, well, what do I do now? You know, once I left and decided to do this full time and there's a lot of things that I have to do in order to do this. I mean, it isn't, it has been a lot of this lately where I'm I'm legitimately Tyler downstairs all day today and yesterday yeah. and I'm going through boxes and I'm cleaning up and I'm taking pictures and I'm getting descriptions ready and I'm listing and I'm listing and I'm listing and I'm talking to other people that do this for a living too. And we're yeah. talking about the market, you know, and we're talking, where the market is because they're they're in the same shoes as I am. I mean this is how I make my living and whether the market's up, whether the market's down, and if the market seems like it's down, is it because of the tariffs? Is it because of, you know, the that the, the you know the stock market's down? Is it because of spending habits? I mean, we pay attention to these things. We realistically do. Yeah. And we also pay attention to, you know, is there just too much out there for people to consume right now?
0: Kind of. I think a little bit. It's a big... um,
1: I would say yeah. Right now, I'd say that there's there's a lot out there, um, and I think that a lot of people do a really good job of it. I think some people just get in over their heads as far as doing a variant or an exclusive or, you know, whatever. We did one with Detective One Thousand. Yeah. Um, look, we did really well with it. Um, the The weekend it dropped. I mean, we did phenomenally with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our our initial investment, we were able to you know, multiple times our initial investment, which is what you want to do. And then you're still left with a lot of product and you're still left with selling a product off and, and, you know, keeping the price where you needed to keep it. And, um, but we also make sure that we don't, you know, Doug and I or whoever I may be partnered up with, we're not doing something that we're taking a huge risk on at the end of the day. Because, you know, in this market and in this comics world, I mean, you can be one bad investment away from like, you're wrapping it up, yeah, um, and that's realistically the truth. I mean, think about it from the perspective of Rainbow. Yeah, you know how many variants are they doing a month? None. No, I mean they've got full opportunity to do that. They've got a large enough broadcast that they could reach out to a ton of people. No, but, they, but if they're they thinking the long game. Doing you know, one, I'd say no.
0: Right, they're thinking the long game. Just you know, they have to. They can't blow it all in one opportunity because, like you no. said, it may crush them.
1: No, but someone like Midtown can. And that's, you know, that's someone that, you know, I work with personally is, is Midtown and Rich over at Midtown. Um, he's just a genius at what he does. And I love him to death. And I get to spend a lot of time with him when I'm at shows. Um, you know, it's got a lot of great ideas. Midtown's like, you know, as we've discussed, probably the number one retailer, online retailer, plus they've got all their locations in New York. You know, they're able to take chances, but they take very calculated risks on what they do. They they've the best earned, artists, they've the earned
0: best that position, talent. though, to take chances.
1: Absolutely. You and know, that's the point, though, right? I mean, yep. you, you you have to start small. I mean, it's it's not a pyramid scheme. It's not that someone becomes filthy rich overnight by doing anything. You just have to make the right choices while you're doing it. It's what it's like the board game, the game of life, right? I mean you have to you know, you you can look back and go, Oh, I can't believe I sold that when it was this amount of money. Well, get over yourself. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off.
0: You know, you move
1: forward. This is part of the game. And um it's part of what we do for a living.
0: I appreciate you chatting with me about it because this is something that I want to get into right now as a hobby. I I think it's fun. I love learning from you and from JP and anybody else that I meet. That because I've been a collector for a long time, I've always just looked at it like, oh, that's just more of my stuff. And looking at these things as a commodity is new to me.
1: Right. Right, and you know, you can always call me whenever too. You know, oh we're yeah. Talking yeah. on a podcast here about yeah. it. I mean, yeah. I don't have a problem doing that or helping anyone that i can at any time yeah and and that includes jp or anybody down at rainbow i mean look as much as those guys know about comics and running on comics you know i know what i know from what i do and that's why we probably work so well together as two businesses that you would think would be competing all the time but realistically we're not we actually complement each other pretty well yeah i was Um, thinking
0: that too i mean you're kind you guys are kind of competitors but you are uh way more narrow right they're very broad they yeah no
1: we we realistically the way that rainbow and i work is it's kind of goofy but i mean it's i mean look at the end of the day as i always say i'm selling CGC graded books i'm selling celebrity autograph books yep i'm selling variants i'm selling original art i you know I'm, i'm doing all these things that they aren't yes and by the same token they're selling all the toys they're selling the pop funkos they're selling all of the weekly books yeah they're, i was just going to say that they're, they're... selling their market is completely different than mine but what's beautiful about it is is they're very respectful towards me by making sure that they're offering me the opportunities and i in turn am offering them opportunities so it's it's really kind of almost an unwritten rule between both companies that we just try to bolster each other and i'm not trying to do this on this podcast i'm kind of reviewing behind the curtain yeah That you know, those guys that work there, and Dave, for example, I used to work there, too. Yep. Um, But all those guys, whether it be Derek, John, JP. um, John. (laughs) Brian. You know, all of those guys I consider friends. I consider them contemporaries. And I I am often in there discussing things, ideas, plans, knowledge I have. They're sharing it with me. But I'm trying to bring, a lot of times I'm bringing things to them that they can use for the market here that someone would have to buy online from me
2: if
0: yeah. that
1: makes sense. Yeah. They can walk right into rainbow right now and buy it. Yep. And you may never know what that is, Yeah, but rainbow and I do and at the same time, they take care of me on those things too. And, and, They've always been very, very good to me. So really, it's not really a competition unless, you know, we're digging through the back issues at the same pace, trying to find something quickly, which, you know, we aren't. Yeah. Um, We've just kind of just realized that each company is a different entity, but we can each help each other out. And that goes for Supercon. That goes for, for anything that's happening in this community. Look, the only way that we're going to further reach out and affect this area is by working together Yep, um, and I had the same situation happen in the in the Minneapolis. You know, there's there's Galaxy um, Con coming up, which is a major con, and then you've got the MCBA Con, and I, I connected the two heads of those groups and said, look, you know, this, this, just tell each other what you're planning on doing. You're two separate entities. One is a smaller show yeah. that's geared towards really comics and art and comic dealers and the other one is going to be bringing in celebrity guests and big time creators and be a grander scale how do you work together you know how can you work together to continue doing this so um they're finding ways to do that which is wonderful and that's great when are those together when are those shows um, by the way what's that
0: when are those minneapolis shows by the way
1: so uh the mcba has one in spring and fall out at the um fairgrounds and then the galaxy one i believe is in november this year it'll be the first year and they've committed to three years being out there mm-hmm. um i got a phone call from um, mike broder who who runs that um a few months ago and just was running through some ideas of you know my what my thoughts were and you know, when you set up a show like that, you don't just do it and just guess. They, they know everything. They know ages of people. They know spending habits. They know, you know, these conventions are a major thing. They know, you know, what artists are going to move people. What, what potential do they have for people to come in? Um, because, again, like we talk about investments, one bad show is your last show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Well, they and I'm just continue. getting
0: into the pre-planning of getting this podcast um, a – presence at a number of shows for next year yeah. um because i really want to take this show to the next level as a part of is not just like um doing it for fun amateur stuff you know well, and, i want to
1: start seeing some residuals out of my one percent yeah
0: i would like to see some too um for being <laughs> <and> jp's 99 percent <laughs> uh but um no i I wanna you know and and all of that stuff the push behind everything that we do is usually from me. JP is so busy with his rainbow yeah. stuff and right. um and everything else he's got going on. Um so he's he's really um great about just telling me just do what you want to do and then let me know what we're doing, you know. <laughs>
1: uh, right, but you also, you know, at the at the end of the day yeah, you know, we've talked about this, like you, you know, going to shows or you being at shows or you know, I always yeah. talk about Planet Comic Con down in Kansas City and I ask uh-huh. people like, Are you going to that show? Well no, I don't I'm like, dude, it's like six, seven hours to get down there. I mean, I know that seems like forever and a day to get down there, but I mean you're going to a major show. Yeah. Right down the interstate before we had all of the problems with Omaha
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. This not funny, but this year it was Omaha was flooded to get down there. You had to go yeah. this huge detour.
1: Yeah, and you know, we got down there. We got to see. You know, we were part of that show. Um, it's one of the best shows we've ever been to. Um, I know Brian and Darcy, friends of the podcast, have obviously uh, were able to come down there. Yeah, and um, you know, I remember they came in with me um, and they helped us out at the booth. And so they, you know, I had special badges for them, and you know, it was like the greatest thing ever, you know, for them. And and you know, they. Oh kept- yeah thanking me for the ability to get in and meet these people early and get this stuff done and I'm just laughing thinking you guys don't know how much you do for me yeah. you know when Darcy's hemming my son's pants you know when I need it hemmed like that yep. you know that's what we talk about with community and that's what we talk about with all of this stuff so you know I don't know of course, as we always talk about, we get off subject really quick. You know, it's that's just what two friends talking. That's about what this I love about this podcast. <laughs>
0: that's literally but, the point. Our first episode, I think JP and I talked for almost two hours, and <laughs> just and it was just and it was just us going just like this, start one place, and we end up somewhere totally different.
1: I would just tell the number one thing I would tell everybody. Okay, first, if they're into comics, they're buying comics on a weekly basis. I'd always say, like, don't get stuck in the mire. I'd say buy what you like, yep. like what you buy, and yep. it, like don't don't just buy it because everyone's telling you to buy it. Like please don't do that. Like I, I love spec sites. I that have relationships with spec market. sites. I will tell you right now, their belief system on certain books is absolutely everything I'm against. I would tell you no, 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 and no. Why, why, you know, one, what
0: why one
1: one so, of the books so? example one of the books agents of atlas and GP may have talked about this right.
0: -hmm. He brought it up. Everybody
1: is all in on this book, right? It's going to be a great spec book. It's got six new characters in it. It's got this, it's got that. I'm not touching it with a 10 foot pole. How come? There's a reason I'm not. It has nothing to do with the characters, it has nothing to do with anything. I see that Marvel is seeing that retailers aren't ordering enough of the book. So they doubled everybody's orders for free. <laughs> like oh, doubled their orders. They're just throwing it out there. They just so yeah, they want it to stick. And so people are hoping it'll stick. And so yeah. you can't just believe everything that everyone's telling you out there. You have to look at it and think, okay, are these characters really gonna stick or not? It's like, like are these gonna be cool or not? Are they gonna stick around? Like if people were investing right now and they were like, What are some of the characters? Talk to kids. I talked to my 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 sixteen year old. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. Spider Man to him is Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay.
0: That's Spider Man.
1: Yeah. Well, me, that's who he he relates to. Is the Miles Morales Spider? He doesn't relate to Peter Parker.
0: I love the Miles Morales Spider Man, but to me, when you say Spider Man, I don't think Miles
1: Morales. Right. Except his generation is going to think Miles Morales. You understand what I'm saying?
0: I do. Well, I do. And just came out. That is all a of different perspective going, you know? altogether.
1: That's more of your street, you know, hip hop, everything with Miles Morales from the movie to everything, to the look, to the style, to the design, to the fact that they had Nike had Miles Morales sneakers out. I mean, you know, from the movie, I mean, you've got everything going with that. Yeah. And that's something that he would be more relatable, would be more relatable to my son. Um, And it doesn't, he doesn't take anything away from Peter Parker, for example, but for him, that's, that's his, that's his Spider-Man right now. So You know, we have to think, you know, are those good investments? Uh, uh, Spider Gwen. Oh, I mean, you know, how many times can we laugh off Spider Gwen? I mean, it gets to a point where you're like, I don't think we can laugh off the character anymore. She's
0: not going anywhere. And I thought (laughs)
1: she's not going anywhere. I thought a
0: year ago, I'm like, I can't wait for this Spider Gwen stuff
1: to blow over,
0: and it's just gotten bigger.
1: No, and once once they get into the TV shows, and you know, don't for a minute think that Black Panther isn't going to continue to resonate. And don't think, but here's another here's another tip investment, you know, investment tip I would give people. Sure. If you think that a Thanos first appearance is going to continue to go up in price right now, you're kidding yourself, no. because it's not in the public consciousness. It's not right there. Josh Brolin Thanos. It's over. I yep. just snapped my fingers. Yep. He's he's done. The movies are over. That you know, that bubble not that bubble is going done. up.
0: Yep.
1: Right. So they say a lot of times with the speculation market for movie and TV, the best time to sell is before it even hits the theaters, before it even hits the big screen. Yep because then you've got the opportunity to really say it was bad. Yep. You know, and we've got a movie right now that everyone was going to say it was going to be awful, which I haven't seen yet, which I want to, which is obviously the the the, the Phoenix the X-Men movie.
0: I haven't seen it yet either. Either way,
1: and I and I want to see it because I want to give it a chance. I enjoy Michael Fassbender. I enjoy a lot of the characters. James McAvoy. Oh, my
0: okay. Mystique. So, has it ever been explained? Uh, I know we're, there's a tangent, but in the X Men movie franchise, how we already had Jean Grey become a form of the Dark Phoenix in like X Three. Right. X3. Uh, right how do we go back and tell this dark Phoenix story now? Have, has X-Men ever explained that timeline? I
1: think it wasn't it like a time anomaly or something like everything got shifted around somehow. Oh, I forget what movie it was, but something happened where they uh, changed the timeline to where they had the first class or whatever, like everything, the timeline completely changed and they were able to do different things with it. So,
0: Oh, okay. Um, that makes sense.
1: That's how yeah, I remember it anyways, but you know, I'm, um, you know, look, There's I, a few I, X-Men I still haven't seen that. Aquaman yet, so there you go.
0: Um, well, me either. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but why Aquaman for the Justice League movie, you know? Um, well,
1: here's the, here's the key to all movies, which, you know, most of us, I think we figured out, except for a lot of people that, that make the decisions. Every Marvel movie has had a lot of things going for it. Clever lines. Yep. great looks Yep. and they've got a lot of good comedy in there and they mix it all together. And at the end of the day, you get something really cool, you mm-hmm. know, and everyone that, that hated the Thor, you know, um, but a Marvel you know, movie Lost Avengers, I think we can talk spoilers at this point, you know, Avengers, Yep. you know, Thor was meant to look like, you know, the big Lebowski basically, you know, and it was supposed to be like, you know, he was, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say this, but I, I virtually have the same, a Norwegian sweater hanging up in my closet. I probably do too. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, but you looked at it right, and like yeah. someone showed me the other day a photo that he was wearing Crocs at the funeral. Yeah, like it's it's humor. Yeah, it's it's just take it as it is. And and anyone that looks at like a movie like Thor Ragnarok, like dude, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, that like, movie. Kicked there was ass. a ton of humor. Yes, but
1: when you hear like you know
0: too much humor. I've heard complaints that it was too, that they tried to be too funny.
1: Right. But then let's look at movies like Die Hard as an (laughs) example. Yeah. There's plenty of humor in Die Hard, too. Oh, sure. I mean, that's what kind of makes some of it funny at the end of the day. It makes you... I mean, I want to feel a full range of emotions when I'm watching the movie, and I think that's where Marvel has really captured on it. I think that's where Aquaman, when I first saw the previews of it, I thought, oh, this looks really good. Or I saw the underwater scenes and them talking and stuff. I thought, oh, this looks really good. Yeah. And yet, you know, I look at a lot of the other ones. I have not seen Captain Marvel yet. Nope. Um, I will. But when I saw the character in Avengers, I was like, I mean, me personally... I just was, like, very stale. It well, just it didn't move the needle for me.
0: Well, for me, we already, we already, as comic fans, we just read Civil War 2 two years ago. And so, for me, Carol Danvers was very fresh in my head anyway. Um, right. So, after Avengers, I don't really
1: want to watch her movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, right now I'm watching Veep with uh, – uh, Dreyfus yep. uh, from Seinfeld. I'm watching the seasons of that. I'm really enjoying that. You know, yeah. and, like I always tell people, like comics is what I do for a living, and then yeah, I want to be done with it. Um, so it's <laughs> a lot of times I'm Everyone. always laughing because people, have you seen this movie? Have you, have seen, you that? seen this show? Have you yes. seen this? And it's like, no, I don't live it. It's not. You know, my life isn't Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah. Uh, to to basically sum it up, I mean, no, it's not that. I mean, you know, this is just kind of what we do but you know once again getting back to the investment piece i would say it, it would almost be interesting to see uh for a course of action how you go through how you sort things out how you decide to sell things
2: mm-hmm.
1: how you make it but i would really just caution people that if they're like "Oh, i want to get in i'm gonna put my kid through college
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'm gonna sure if you go out and buy an amazing fantasy 15 which is the first spider-man Mm -hmm. And you put X amount of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, into one right now, Mm -hmm. and you wait a few years. You may be able to pull out a few thousand off of that book, but that is not an everyman situation. You are not going to take 20k, 25k, 100k, and put it into an amazing fantasy 15, right? And then decide to sell it a few years from now. And as a good friend of mine once told me, because I buy a lot of original art. He's always factoring in you know your cost of living every year you know what is what, what's the cost of living go up every year right you know so the longer you hold that art or the longer you hold that item you know you have to figure out if the cost of eggs are going up and the cost of gas is going up and yeah. the cost of this I mean how much money are you truly making at the end of the day mm-hmm. and then you always have to look at things like I always say like fees you have to look at taxes you have to look at a myriad of different things when it comes to um, investing so Always come back to that. Buy what you like, like what you buy. You know, if you love My Little Pony, you want to collect My Little Pony books, go ahead and do it. You might hit one that's a big time winner, but I will virtually guarantee you that 90% of the people that are buying those books and get that cover, yeah, they have no intention of selling it. They think it's awesome that it's worth that much money.
0: Yeah, those those guys that read my little ponies I don't really understand the fetish but um but uh, yeah they're not reselling they're they're hoarding them
1: no and they want to collect that and and you know I, it's I like the beanie ba- it's mean- like
0: the beanie baby craze nobody wanted to get rid of their collections and then when they did everybody got rid of them at once and nothing was worth anything
1: sure sure and so that's what you always have to worry about with stuff so people worry about a, a crash with the comic market eventually Mm-hmm. I would say that there was always a crash happening. You're just not hearing it. Yeah. You know, There's always some sort of a little crash going on somewhere where things or prices are dropping or, or, or things aren't hitting the way they need to or publishers are going out of business or comic shops are going out of business. I mean, those are little ripples of crashes where we got into a problem where, you know, businessmen coming in and buying Valiant, for example, and buying cases and cases and cases of image books yeah. that were never coming out on time. Right And thinking that they were gonna you know they had the first whatever were going in, and they're they're lining up for superman seventy five and paying exorbitant amounts of money for this, knowing full well Superman's not dead forever, right but a lot of that was pre internet or pre you know popularity of the internet being used fully like it is now, so you know now it's a little different situation, and it's an interesting one too, because a lot of people can sell their comic collections and their comic books like you're talking about doing on the internet, yeah. You don't have to take it into account of shop. You know, you don't have to call me to buy it. You no. can go ahead and sell it yourself. It's a lot tougher to do, but you can certainly do it that way. Um, and if you've got the wherewithal and you can learn how to do it, um, you know, it's not the most difficult thing in the world. So, if, so it's got to be a lot of love. You got to have a lot of love for it, right? Yeah. I and mean, you just have to have a lot of love and a lot of like. I don't care that I'm making three dollars a book. Like, if you feel like you've won, yeah. Like, look, that's where everyone starts out, is making that $3 win on a book. Um, Then that's okay. But just know that you're going to have to take that money and put it into something else a little bit more high end, or that should be your goal. If I had to go back and redo it all again, that's what I would always tell people. Look at all the books you didn't read this year that you bought. Yeah. Add up all that money, and then tell me what you could have invested that money into. Yeah. Yeah. Every year you could have done that and guess, you know, at the end of the year, you'd have like first ghostwriter appearance, first cosmic ghostwriter, nine, eight, first Batman who laughs, you know, yep. you'd have all that stuff. Yep. So you just have to be cognizant of what you're spending money on. Um, and not necessarily like, look, that the, the people that are thinking about selling and getting into it, you're paying attention to what's on the internet and what people are telling you and what the hot book is. And we just had the walking dead one ninety two. We just talked about it. Yep. I, you know, look, 191 probably is a better buy overall than 192 because that's the issue where Rick gets shot. You know, probably under ordered compared to 192, and we have to look at that too. And then you also have to look at 193. Um, You also have to look at when trade paperbacks are going to end their numbering. So, what if 192 is the end of an omnibus or it's the end of a trade paperback? Well, then 193 becomes maybe a popular issue because that's the start of when people would have to buy single issues if they wanted to start reading it again. So now supply and demand. You know, there's a lot of different factors involved. So people are probably like, is this guy a kook or what, you know? No, I I really, truly, there's that much that you have to look into and think about when you're deciding how you're going to play this game and how you're going to put money into it.
0: So I'm looking online right now and somebody on eBay is asking50 dollars for 191 and 192 combined. Okay. Um, there you go. I know, is, yeah, I mean sell, selling them as a set may be a, a good idea. Um, selling them individually will probably get you more money.
1: Um, it could, but for example, I put up a set of five blanks and five regular covers. Mm-hmm. So I have a set on eBay for, I think, $100. Now, the reason mm-hmm. that I did that is because it's a lot easier for me to ship 10 books as an investment lot to someone at that rate that they may want to get in on. Um, oh, so- and that's how I look at it. That's It's more of how I want to sell something. I don't want to sell a $7 or $8 book. Mm-hmm. I'd rather sell 10 copies, 5 blanks, 5 regular covers, put them together in one package and just sell them to someone that is looking to maybe buy an investment lot of ten copies to sit on. Maybe they want some blanks. Maybe there's a store that needs some copies, maybe whatever. And if I don't sell them that way, they just go in a box and I'll figure out something to do with them later. Yeah. So that's the way that I look at it. Again, you can't pass up one ninety two. I, I, I again would tell everybody if you liked the T V show, if you like this series, yeah, this is a key issue. Yeah. You know, it's a death issue. First appearances are obviously worth more, but it is a key death issue. And so if you want to stop by your shop, if you want to stop by wherever you may be locally and pick one up, they may not have them in stock. If you're here in South Dakota around Sioux Falls, go down to Rainbow, they've got them. Yep. Pick one up, set it aside. If that four bucks isn't going to hurt you, if you know whether you read walking dead or not, you've got it. If, yeah. It could make you feel better about it. But if you're like, I, can, I don't care one way or the other, then don't buy it. Yeah. But it's not going to hurt you. I will. I will virtually guarantee you. I'm, I'll, be, I'll be set up at SuperCon this year. I will have copies available for sale, and they will not be cover price <laughs> because you know the supply is going to go away, and there could still be demand, and then the price is going to go up. So it's a lot of how you play it, and a lot of the way that you need to think about it. At the end of the day, I am looking at selling things to the average collector. Yeah right and so is rainbow yep that's what we do and so this isn't a you know i'm not looking i mean i'm looking at just selling comics to the average person and and have them be able to buy what they want for their collection because we have to realize and we always hopefully have to come back to this that the majority of the people buying comics, I hope and pray every day, are just people that want to read them and collect them. Yeah. Because if it ends up becoming more than 51% are just buying them for investment purposes, then we're really going down the wrong the wrong way. Yeah, we're going to have so, a pile
0: of crap. No, you know. Well, then, then we're just
1: going to have everybody just holding on to stuff to hold on to stuff. And there's no reason for that. There's a lot of good stories out there. There's a lot of good things to read. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess at the end of the day, and I keep using that phrase, but buy what you like. Like what you buy, you'll win eventually. Yeah. But you also don't have to invest in it. But if you're going to invest in it, maybe you don't invest in every single hot book of the week. Maybe you're like, I really have my eye on an amazing Spider Man fifty. It's one of my favorite covers ever. Sure. And you save some money every week and you buy one or you see Rainbow has one of the books you've always wanted and you put it on layaway. Yep. Um, or do whatever. So that's how it all starts, I guess, at the end of the day. So uh You know, and and I wanted to get on this too. I know JP was talking about pricing and how sometimes you get things that are priced at a certain price above ratio or whatever. And Yep. um, That was on one of the previous podcasts, and he's exactly right. You know, I've had comments with them and gone back and forth with them on certain books. Well, it's a hot hot topic for me. Um, Well, it it definitely is. But we, we also have to come back to the same situation, which is at the end of the day, they as a business are going to, they're really pretty good about everything when they put prices on stuff. I mean, they really are. Yeah. And occasionally maybe they're off, but I mean, you can't win on every single price you put on it. But at the end of the day, they want to sell those comics that they're pricing and that they're putting out there. Yep. And they've been pretty darn good about it over, over the years. I mean, they really have, they try to do the best they can for everybody. Yep. And you know, if there's a ratio there, they're trying to price it according to what they think it's worth. Yep. Um, And if there's a really hot book, they're going to limit it to one per person. They're going to do whatever they can to try and get as many copies out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, like JP said, I mean, look, you got to walk in there and you got to go. This is a full service comic shop. Yeah. I mean, they've got, you know, at any time, two to three people working a day because obviously people have days off that know what they're talking about and know where to get you things and know how to get it for you. Yeah. And those people have salaries or they're paid hourly or whatever it may be. And, you know, it's part of the market. I mean, they're selling things and they're moving things and they're, you know, they can't just give it away or put it out at, at, at cost. But, um, but that's also just the way the market is right now. And it may change a year from now mm-hmm. and they may change because of it too. And I may change because of it. So, it's realistically they're just kind of part of this ebb and flow of how the market works. And yeah, that would yeah. probably be the best way to put it.
0: Yeah. So if, um, since you're the guest host today, um, how would you like, wait, I want
1: to, I've always wanted to do this. Oh, sure. This is the comic market for sure. anybody trying to get in. Get out. Get out no, I'm out. kidding.
0: Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, just edit that out. I will. I'll just take it out. That
1: You man. never edit anything I say to edit out.
0: I, You know what? I did, too. I edited out what we had talked about with Doug Bankey about a certain other person. Um, oh. Remember, we kind of went off on a tangent about someone we know. Oh. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah,
1: you, you got in trouble for that one. No one will ever know what we're talking no,
0: about. No. I know. A little inside joke. Uh, I did get in trouble oh, by JP. Um About there to witness. Yeah. About a mutual acquaintance. We were kind well, you were um, kind of involved in the conversation, but I was really going to town about him. And uh, yeah, I did edit that out because JP said you're taking that out.
1: (laughs) JP is the is is the conscience of all good things in comics.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm the guy I'm the guy that I don't know what subtlety is. I will just say I'll just say what's on my mind. I don't have the...
1: That's, that's why we love you, though. I, I know. Mean, at the end of the day, that's <laughs> the fun of it at the end of the day, because we don't know what we're going to get. No. So
0: I'll just say, can... like, oh, that's fucking dumb. Why are you doing
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what I was going to get to is, um, as a um, merchant, where can people find you on the internet? On eBay, what's your store?
1: Uh, that's a great one, and I don't know how you actually search this, believe it or not. It used to be seller, and then you'd look it yeah. up, but I am... Believe it or not, as nerdy as it can be, and I love my seller name, it is order underslash 66, which is a Star Wars reference. Yes. Um, to kill, kill all, all the Jedi. Jedi right? Yeah. So I'm order underscore underscore 66. Underscore six, six. Okay. Um, and if you happen to be on there and you see something you like and you make an offer and yeah. you tell me, hey, I saw, you know, I listened to the Smash and Grab podcast, well, I might be more inclined to talk yeah. something out with you. Yeah. So- Otherwise, I'm. At JJ's Comics and Art on Instagram, the Instagram, the IG. Yep. The old... I'm getting technical now. I know. Well, and then I'm that's kind of JJ's Comics on Facebook. Uh huh. And then we're going to be revamping our website. And um, yeah, that's that's about it. And anybody that wants to get a hold of me can always get a hold of me. Yeah. Through the website, uh, JJ's uh, JJ's Comics. I think takes you right to it. Yep. Otherwise, there's an email, a contact, or what have you. So,
0: and like always, we are still sponsored by Rainbow Comics Cards and Collectibles, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Do you know that address right off the top of your head?
1: It is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's what I said, and it's right where it's always been. Yes,
0: uh, there you go. and also, no. also in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Again, address. I don't know. Sorry, Dave. I'll give you a refund for this episode. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, check them out in Sioux Falls and in Lincoln. Um, great store. We love it.
1: And they do, and, and let me just quickly add, they do a great job here in Sioux Falls. They're right next to Taylor's Pantry, over there by H&R Block, by Staples, right off the interstate. Yep. Uh, they are at a prime location, and down in Lincoln, they do a wonderful job. Um, they have a Facebook every Wednesday, every Tuesday night, excuse me. They shut the store down. And they will go ahead and show you all of the comics for Wednesday on the rack. So they do? So you have an opportunity to see that, yep, every single. So if you were to like Rainbow Comics and Lincoln on yep. Facebook, Rainbow yep. Comics and Sioux Falls, which most of you should be, uh, like both of those. And then you're always able to see... Tuesday, right about 6 o'clock, they yeah. will do a live stream of all the new comics that will be on the shelf Wednesday.
0: Nice. I, I am friends with both of them, but, I, I, but I never watch that. to you
1: double for this week's episode. He
0: will. Because he'll get a whole bunch more viewers on Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> anyway... John, stay on the line. I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast here. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Um, let's all be thinking of JP's nephew. He had uh, open heart surgery today. Um, I'm not going to say any names, but um, let's be thinking about JP. And uh, he'll be he'll be back on the show next week. So for Smash and Grab Comics, I'm Tyler sitting with John Jesperson, and we'll wish you guys a good night.